and welcome to My Podcast Knows What You Read in the Dark, a book club podcast made by chaotic people for chaotic people. I'm Caitlin. I'm Kristen. I'm B. And I'm Liti. And we are here to tell you what's what about the books we read and loved this month or books we hated this month. Kristen, you have a question to start us off with this month. So... I want to know what your Goodreads and or Storygraph goal was for 2022. And I want to know if you met it. This is like my Capricorn self wanting to know this information, but I can go first. My Goodreads goal was originally 52. um, And then I upped it to 80. And as of today, I'm at 95. Wow. (laughs) Is there a way to see how many, what our first, challenge was because I changed mine quite a few times. I don't know if there is or not. I just remember my original goal because I did it for weeks in the year. I think I did that too with mine. I think I did 50 book or 52 books and then I changed it to 60 and then I changed it to 75 and now I'm at 87 out of 75. Jesus Christ. And I also set up a page goal as well because I was like oh I read a lot of like very tiny book because I read all of a series of unfortunate events at the beginning of the year. And since those are smaller, I wanted to like make a page goal instead. So I set my page goal to 20K and I'm at 26K now. Oh my gosh. Nice. My goal for the year was 50. It's so funny because if you were to go on to my Goodreads, you can see exactly the moment that I started hyperfixating on something and couldn't read anything else. <laughs> like, I'm going to pull it up because I have my Goodreads open in front of me right it now. It happens to the best of us really does. Caitlin so, read Gideon in the Ninth and then she never read again. <laughs> yep. I um I got to 23 this year. That was that was what I got to. I read I started off the year really strong. I read um Dance of the Fae Prince, Rune of Roses, Bringing Down the Duke, Savage and the Swan. And then I read Gideon the Ninth and then I reread Gideon the Ninth and then I read Harrow <laughs> and then I reread Harrow and then I limped my way through Sorcery of Thorns, Dark rise a bunch of other books and then it was just like gideon no gideon harrow no no gideon oh my god (laughs) i love it though like you commit and that's great what a year great year full of dead bitches (laughs) and bones (laughs) it's about the bones so no did not make my goodreads goal this year it's okay (laughs) maybe all the times i reread gideon the ninth i'll say if you rereads and audio reads then you might have got to 50 yeah, you should count those. What about you, B? So, um, I don't have Goodreads, but I have Storygraph. Um, so I also like kept had to, I had to keep increasing my book goal. I think I had started with like twenty four or something like that, just because with with my job and stuff, it's kind of hit or miss depending on how much work I have to take home. Um, but so I ended up increasing my goal to 52 just to be like, all right, let me see if I can read a book a week. So that I, I passed. So nice. I'm, I'm currently at 61. Yay. Yeah. Uh, and then I set a pages goal and I was like, let's do 24,000 pages. <laughs> I was like, let's do 2000 pages a month. And I have not hit that goal yet. Um, unfortunately, I had some interpersonal stuff going on in November and December and it has just been like I get home from work and it is just nonstop me doing all that stuff. And I have not read. Like my reading is literally 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, all right, I need to go to bed, try and read from my phone. And I fall asleep with my phone <laughs> in my hand Aww. while trying to read. <laughs> and so I have, I have 22,472 pages read. 
I'm kind of seeing potentially like I have, you know, the holiday holidays right now. So I have the week off. So we're going to see if maybe after some of the next few days, if I can like find some time and really carve out 870 pages. You can do that. Um, you can do it. <laughs> yes. But even still, I mean, three years ago, I would have never dreamed to read that many books. So three years ago, I didn't read anything. I just started yeah. during the pandemic again then. Yeah. I like I think I got the closest because like I have set 50 pretty consistently and honestly I probably have exceeded it in a couple of different years but it's just like track everything and like some of the things that I read that are like honestly novel length don't get counted like some of the fan fiction that I read which honestly should count but yeah. I would rather skin myself alive than record any of my fan fiction on my Goodreads or Storycraft absolutely not my AO3 <laughs> uh, history is between me and God and yes, you're not exactly. gonna take it remember last year there's an option on AO3 to like kind of like Spotify wrapped there's an option where you can oh, see I don't want to see it kind of your, it's like tied to your history and stuff and it's one of those I was no, like I don't want to know I don't want to know please don't tell me sometimes when I'm writing I'll just like look out like I look out for um, things that other people have risen and so I have like the weirdest stuff in my history on AO3 yes. and don't want anyone to know about that you guys know one of my favorite pastimes is just finding the weirdest tag I can possibly find yes and so my I was just gonna mention my AO3 history would probably get me sent to a mental institution i'm not even joking you're on a few watch lists already i say like, you're definitely on the cia watch list. It was definitely the um the u.s politics fandom that got me there i promise you. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure that. absolutely we are doing things just a little bit differently this time around uh last month we all talked together about the books that we read last month uh this month we're gonna do kind of the same thing but instead of releasing all four books as one episode we're gonna split it up into two so we are going to have b and lady go first it's super convenient too because we both read the b's book last month oh yeah <laughs> we buddy read it so nice, nice. i can't wait so um, first, I apologize for my smoker's voice. I'm getting over a really nasty cold. And so something you don't know about me, podcast listeners, is that when I get excited or angry, my voice gets higher. Uh, and in this case, with my cold, uh, I start to like lose my voice and get really like squeaky. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens, because part of my goal for bringing this book to our podcast is that I don't think Caitlin and Kristen have read this book. No, I have it. You have or haven't? I haven't, but I have it. Yeah, and I, I like desperately want to sell it to you guys <laughs> and like get you to so read good. this. Please, please share with the class. So, so the book that I'm bringing is a book by Holly Black, a beloved author of everyone on this podcast. And it's actually, it's a novella from Holly Black called The Darkest Part of the Forest. And so to start off, reasons why Caitlin and Kristen should read this book. Um, one, it's by Holly Black. Two, it's, it's set within the whole frame of Holly Black's fairy, you know, spelled F-A-E-R-I-E, -E, fairy, where it's this, um, Holly writes a lot of books about the interaction and the kind of like what happens when the human world and the world of fairy uh, overlap or interact. Um, and so this is really in between like Holly's debut novel, novels of the modern fairy tales. And if you haven't read, read those, please read them. Um, and it's also, so it's in between those where you're first introduced to fairy 
and then in between the Folk of the Air series, which is where we all met each other uh, through that fandom. Yes. And so this is published like right in between. It's so there, there are going to be things familiar, right? And and actually, the characters from this book have shown up as like cameos in the Folk of the Air series in a couple, like two different books. So the book is set in a place called Fairfold. Um, and just based on like Holly's geography of where um, the different places where like Fae and human worlds can meet, um, Fairfold is like estimated as like probably like, it's definitely East Coast, probably like Pennsylvania-ish. At one point, Philadelphia is brought, you know, like someone goes to Philadelphia. And so it, it's set in this town called Fairfold. And Fairfold's a really special, like small town. Um, it's really special because it really is this overlap of the whole town, this human town, absolutely knows about and to some extent interacts with fairy. So you already have, like, it's just very interesting because it's like, what is the deal with a town that knows about the folk and what do they do? Um, and that's part of it is that in Fairfold, um, there's like people pour milk, right? People pour milk in a saucer out, which is a common practice if you're familiar with kind of like European, especially Celtic um, stories about, about the Fae. Um, and then there's an offering, right? Every, every autumn, there's an offering to the Alder King. And that's the court that's involved. It's the court of the Alder King in Fairfold. Every offering, Fairfold gives it part of their harvest to the, to the Alder King. And again, reminiscent of like things that you read from like folklore. And then there's other things that are, are like indicative of this town being part, like existing within the context of, you know, or within or, or interacting with the folk. And in particular, one thing that's really special about Fairfold, and it's a point of tourism for the town, um, is that in the middle of their forest, just like in the middle of their forest, is this glass casket. And so like, think Snow White, right? There's just this glass casket with one of the folk just asleep in the casket. Um, and so in this case, it's not, it's not like Snow White, like a fair maiden, but it's a fair... And the whole town calls it calls him a prince, right? It's this beautiful fae, like pointed ears, really fancy, like you know, clothing and such. This fae prince, and and he's been in the town for any as long as anyone can remember. And you know, the high schoolers, and this is the the two main characters are high schoolers. Uh, the high schoolers for generations have just like, gone out and like partied. You know, and like done all manner. Just imagine yourself as high schoolers, you know, having a, a party with beer and such in the middle of a forest with a glass casket of a boy who never wakes up in it. And imagine the shenanigans that high schoolers could get up to and, and like that happens. Oh, yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, like around where I live, we have um, a witchy, a witch community and like whenever wise in high school people used to like drive out there, even though we knew we weren't supposed to. And like it was just like this ridiculous thing that like everybody just assumed was really really dangerous and so it, it reminds me of that kind of feel like everybody would be like hyped up after like a football game or something and we'd get in the car and drive to the witch community that's exactly what they do like that's they, exactly what this book opens actually but <laughs> yeah they, they dance they party they like bring booze and they drink next to the guy in the casket sometimes someone gets drunk and try to tries to destroy the casket oh god doesn't work yep it is. I mean, and so, so like you, you get this. And then, so the two main characters, uh, they're named Hazel and Ben, um, and they're siblings and they've grown up in Fairfold. And that's really what, like you start out where Hazel shows up at one of these parties. I, the thing I love about Holly Black, and we've, we've talked about it with like Jude from the Cruel Prince series, you know, from the Folk of the Air series, but like Holly really does unreliable narrators really well. 
um, and not necessarily like unreliable in the sense that like they're intentionally like telling themselves lies, but like unreliable in the sense that like these are teenagers who don't have the context or scope to like think about something bigger than like whatever the thing is at the moment. Oh yeah, in like every book of or like short yeah. story of hers that I've read is like he is so good at capturing like that kind of like willful ignorance. Yes, yes, exactly, and like. And I think that was probably the first thing that really connected with me because even from that first party scene, Hazel's like walking around and just like the self-consciousness and then also the trying to hide that self-consciousness um, that Hazel has, you know, including like making decisions like you can, again, hear, like seeing that and reading that thought process where she's like, I could make out with this guy, but like, that's probably not a good idea. And then like, she gets shaken up a little bit by an, uh, an interaction she has at the party and then goes and makes out with the guy. And you're like, yeah, that sounds yeah. like a teenager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we have this town, we have Fairfield, we have Hazel and Ben and the whole, like the whole, if you read like even just from the back cover of the book, the whole time this boy has been asleep in the casket in the forest you know, he's been asleep and nothing can wake him up and nothing can break the glass. And then all of a sudden, the story of this book takes place in the context of like someone and we don't know who, right? Someone has broken the glass casket and the boy is gone. Mm. Yeah. Prince wakes up and, and no one knows what, like what has happened and what's going on. And so it, it's this really good story because Hazel is, you get Hazel's point of view and then for parts of it, you get Ben's point of view. Ben is her brother. And so when it starts out, you know, it's, it's again, it's that unreliable narrator of Hazel's trying to figure out like what is going on, you know, how did the boy get out? Um, and so you get the limitation of what you know um, from her, Hazel's narration and eventually you get Ben's narration. And I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but one, you will like Hazel because you like Jude. <laughs> um, for Caitlin and Kristen, like, you will like Hazel because you like Jude. But also, um, there's a really interesting part of this as well, and it's not too spoilerly, but Hazel has a crush on, but also it's Ben's best friend. Ben's best friend is actually a changeling. And so there's also like a really interesting tie into this story, um, where, like knowing the narrative and the, the history behind changelings. Like the, the story behind changelings is where the Fae will come and kidnap a child, like a, an infant right, a human infant and take it back to the fairy realm and in exchange, leave their own child. And this is like with folklore, like trying to explain like sickly kids and things like that, like like when you get into like some of the folklore stuff. Um, but in this story, it's also really interesting the way that Holly Black's done it is that the changeling, that the, the mom who notices that it's not her son, she manages to basically like call back the fairy mother to, to get her son back. And then the, the other interesting part of it is that then when the fairy says, okay, fine, like giving back my infant, the human mom says, no, mm. you can't have him back. Basically, like if you would ever give your child up, you can't have him back. Ooh. So this mom willingly like gets her son back, her human son, and she raises the changeling child. And the way changelings work, they they look like twins. And so they grow up as, as twins. Um, and that's also an interesting thing where you have a changeling, like knowing that they're a changeling, growing up in this human town, granted the, like humans who have knowledge of stuff. But growing up as like a regular human right next to their actual like, you know, the kid that they were exchanged for, human wow. twin. One of the things that I really like about this book and just like Holly Black's book and books in general, because she does the same thing with the Folk of the Air, is I really like the way that she presents sibling bonds huh? sibling relationships. So in the Folk of the Air, you have Jude and Taryn who are basically like they're mirror images of each other, but they have like 
wildly different goals in life. And even in this one, you have Ben and Hazel. Ben, who is the gifted child and who has been given everything, but he doesn't want any of it. And Hazel on the other side, who just wants her brother to have the best life possible. And she like makes like super terrible decisions to make sure that her brother has the best life, but he wants not he wants none of it. Yeah. Jack and his brother also have that bond where what's his brother's name? Carter. So yeah, Jack and Carter, like Jack will have people dating him because they want to get to Carter. Jack is the changeling. Yeah, and Carter's like the star quarterback. And so, you know, imagine again high school right. stuff and such. So yeah, there's like even with these two like side characters, there's this like, this sibling bond that's like super present and super important to the story at large and Chef's Kiss. I love, love that. It. <laughs> it is. The sibling the sibling interactions, especially between like because both Ben and Hazel have secrets they keep from each other that end up coming up in this story in big ways you know and then just the interactions like there's a line at one point where again they're they're basically like irish twins like i think ben might be a senior and hazel might be a junior although it's not specified but just based on like what you read in the story that's what i would guess <laughs> but again it's like when you reach that teenage point like what do you share with a sibling and what don't you share with a sibling and that comes up in big ways in this story, including like at one point, there's a character who says basically that their interaction, the way that they describe the interaction between Ben and Hazel from a third person perspective is that you feed each other a bouquet of lies. Like you make these lies to each other that are just so pretty to kind of keep the other one imagining this like happy go lucky thing when that's not the case. And it's just so good. Um, <laughs> but the other thing I was going to say for me, like the reason and this, I mean, this affects in terms of like, I, I love this book. And a lot of it is the way that Holly Black does the writing when you have Hazel as this teenager yearning, you get it. You really get it when you have Hazel being kind of questioning and and not understanding maybe like interpersonal dynamics and especially in terms of relationships and boys and stuff, you really get it. And there's a, a large part of this in terms of Ben and Hazel's upbringing that they don't have an easy upbringing. Their, their upbringing involves their parents making bad choices for them and how they as children have were affected by that and how they are as teenagers are trying to like work around that trauma. Um, that for me in particular was really, really well written. And especially from some like from someone like me who has experience with childhood trauma, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, this is like I understood it from my own perspective of what I went through. Um, and it just it's so, so well done, um, even for, you know, I think it's only like it's a novella. I'm trying to look how many pages it is. It's pretty short from I mean, I, I own it. I'm like, Caitlin, I have it. I just never have gotten around to actually reading it. It's less than 350. Like it's it's like I think it's 324. I just looked it up. Um, it, it's so it is it's it's quick, but she just she weaves things so well into it. And so there's a really good it's just it's really well written, especially in terms of siblings, especially in terms of like that unreliable narrative from a teenager. Um, and then also, I mean, I expect this with Holly, Holly Black's writing, but it's really well researched. So again, there's, you know, lots of mention of like interactions with the Fae and it's really well researched based on folklore, um, including um, in terms of the changeling, Holly looked up Yoruba, the Yoruba tribe and, and stories, um, which is very interesting. So Yoruba being part of Nigeria, um, and this is just something I know from 
me knowing it, but Nigeria has um, a lot of twins. Nigerian families have a lot of twins. And part of it is because yams are a huge staple to Nigerian diets. Um, and there's actually like, I forget what compound it is, but like yams actually like increase chances for having twins. But so part of uh, Yoruba lore deals with changelings. And it's just so interesting because you imagine, you know, yams being a huge part of the diet and twins being really common and twins just being really common throughout that history. And so the folklore develops stories around that. And and so Holly brings that into this book in a real like including like sharing a story from it. And it's just fascinating. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you should read this book. I definitely want to. Like, I, I keep meaning to get around to it. And then it's just like other books come up and I read those instead. But I've, I literally bought it at the same time that I bought The Cruel Prince. Um, and I was like, I'll read this one as soon as I'm done with this series. Because, you know, you start it and you can't finish it. Or you can't read anything else until you're done. Um, and then I just never did get around to it. But I'm, I'm going to. It's queer. No, say less. Yeah. yeah. I did. I did know that <laughs> mostly just from context from uh, Cruel Prince. I guess it's technically in Queen of Nothing, yeah. but mm-hmm. still, oh, it's uh, definitely the Cruel Prince as well. Uh, ben and Severin are in there. Oh yeah, because they make oh, yeah. an appearance at the coronation, don't they? Yeah. Yes, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't remember them from Queen of Nothing, but I believe you when you say that they are in the Cruel Prince when Jude goes to visit the different lords. And Hazel's in there too, but you don't. Yeah, know she, yeah, she's there too, unless you've read. <laughs> but yeah, Jude pretends Jude pretends that she's um, glamoured, and you have Ben in the background going like, "Do something!" She's yes. so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're in Queen of Nothing. They're like mentioned offhandedly in Queen of Nothing. Um, whenever I think at the banquet where Nicasia like pulls Jude aside to talk to her, I'm pretty sure that's where they're mentioned at. But yeah, uh, and then, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Well, it sounds really good. Yeah, I don't want to like get into too many spoilers, but like it involves huge mystery. Like it's almost like two layers of a mystery that you have to figure out. And that's another thing. Like if you haven't read modern fairy tales, uh, especially in the third book of that, there's a really, really clever. Yes, the riddle. riddle's so good. It is so good. <laughs> <laughs> As a language person, it's so good. But so there's a riddle in that one. And then this one as well, there's a, a bit of a wordplay and also just a kind of like a, a riddle um, that's involved with the mystery that, that Hazel has to try and figure out. It's just, it's really good intrigue. And and again, that unreliable narrator comes up in a big way and you're like, oh, especially I just love how it brings in all of that folklore and Holly does a really good job bringing it into the modern day. And it's just so well done. Okay. <laughs> I going. You could write an essay. <laughs> well, you have convinced me and I will cert I, I promise you I will read it in the first quarter of this coming year. <gasps> yeah. Yes. I also have The Coldest Girl in Cold Town, and I've been meaning to read that for literal, literal years. Same. Yeah. Same. So yeah. I kind of want to read those. Um, we, we always need more Holly Black in our lives. Yes. Absolutely, we do. The Stolen Air is going to put me on a Holly Black kick. So yes. I'm definitely going to end up rereading the Folk of the Air series. I'll probably reread Darkest Part of the Forest and Coldest Girl in Cold Town. Yeah. I realized just now, as we were recording, like, I didn't leave a lot of chance for you all to like chime in. It's okay. You were so excited. I was like, it's okay. I, I interrupted you because I felt like you needed a break sometimes. Sometimes you got to get on your soapbox and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like, I think the thing that knowing Jude, I think a lot of Hazel, 
There's a lot of, of what Jude would do if she were in Hazel's position. Jude would have done it. And I, it'd be curious, like, I'd be curious how Jude would turn out in a town like Fairfold. Um, or just Jude, like, having been exposed to fairy and then moving back before being a teenager or something like that. I'm very intrigued. I don't know, lady, I don't know if you could tell, like, where I was trying to, like, not... Yeah, I can definitely tell. Away. It's fine. It's great. You did good. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so what did you read, lady? Yeah, so we paired these two books together because they're both fairy tales. And also, they also both happen to deal somewhat with abuse from parents, which, hey, like, buckle in for, like, fun ride. So I read Juniper and Thorn by Ava Reed. It's a retelling of the Grimm's fairy tale, The Juniper Tree. Are you guys familiar with The Juniper Tree at all? No, I I feel like I've read it. And I feel like it's really dark. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it at all. But um, the juniper tree, it's about a woman who murders her stepson. And then she serves up the body for the father. Oh, okay. That sounds like a good They should turn that into a Disney movie. Yeah, I bet, yeah. (laughs) Isn't there something with, like, the juniper bleeding? Something like that, I guess, yeah. Okay, never mind. Anyway. Okay, not, okay. I, I haven't I have not read the full fairy tale. I just like looked it up after reading the book because I wasn't familiar with it. Anyway, so before I start, I can't talk about this book without talking about anti-Semitism and abuse. So if these are things that can be triggering for you, well, just skip the episode. Sorry, see you next time. This book also deals with sexual abuse, cannibalism, self-arm, eating disorders, and animal death, but I will not be going into any details about any of these, so just make sure you read the content wondering is if you decide that you want to read it, then make sure that you're in the right headspace for it. It's just like a whole cocktail of... Oh yeah, it's everything. And like, <laughs> based on what I told you about the original fairy tale, it makes sense that all these things would come into play into this yeah. book as well. Yeah. The setting for this book is inspired by Victorian-era Ukraine, uh, but all of the names are fictional. It's set in the town of Oblia, which is a town that is disturbed by change as industries start growing and people move in and out and they like work in the new blooming businesses and industries. So I've read a little bit of interviews about this book, and in interviews, Ava said that she wanted to stray from the usual depiction of uh, Eastern Europe. So usually you see Eastern Europe in uh, fictional settings as like one thing, like with one group of people, usually like the Russian type that you see in like movies and stuff. But she wanted it to be more diverse and actually represent the way that it is in real life. And the way that it has been historically. So even if all the ethnic groups in this book have different names, it's all obvious how they relate to actual real groups. So our protagonist is Marlinkin, which is a mouthful. She lives in Oblia with her father and her two witch sisters. She's like the dull one of the sisters, so she's not smart like her sister Rose, and she's not beautiful like her sister Undine. Listen, usually I don't like that kind of trope. It kind of annoys me where it's like, oh my god, I'm like not like the other girls, I'm not beautiful, nobody likes Mm -hmm. me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But in this book, it's really clear early on that all of this talk of her being quote-unquote plain-faced has been ingrained into her from a young age by her sister as well, but mostly by her abusive father. So her father is a powerful transformation wizard. He's the last wizard in Oblia. And he's achieved this by slandering his rival to the point that no one would do business with her anymore. He basically destroyed her business. And after that, she put a curse on him. The curse is that he will never feel full, that he will never feel rested. 
and that he will never feel love for his daughters or see the beauty in the world. Mm. Wow. Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot, but it's never framed as an excuse for his behavior. So even in her narration and as she talks about her past, Merlincon makes it clear that it's not an explanation for his behavior because he was like this. He was xenophobic. He was sexist. He was abusive before this curse was put on him. So it's just like a layer on top of like the whole like shitty father cake. Our protagonist, Merlincon, she's always been the good daughter to her father. So she cooks for him. She cleans for him. She does everything just to make sure that not necessarily that she will be on his good side, but that all of her and her sisters will be on his good side. The sisters don't really do much, but she does everything to make sure that the father will be in a good enough mood not to be angry at them. Until one day she sneaks out of the house with her sisters to go see a ballet. So at the ballet, they're performing one of her favorite stories from her childhood, uh, Bogatir Ivan. And she gets a big fat crush on the primary dancer of this ballet. And y'all, this guy, he is my favorite type of fictional man. Sad, sad wet, pathetic. Yes, that's, yes, that feels like a roast, but yes. He's a pretty dark-haired boy with a drinking problem and a love for women who could slit his throat. Yeah, uh, of course. Hardcore. Exactly. Sad wet boy is a term of endearment. It is. It's not. It's <laughs> yes. not an insult. It's a. It's a. It's not an insult. No. It's more of a roast towards me for liking that type of boy than it is a roast towards a fictional boy. Uh, it says more about you than it does about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marlin can meet him as he's puke, puking out his guts, and okay. it's lust at first sight. Oh, beautiful. And I, I've told you guys I read this book because I wanted a non erotica book to talk about on this podcast and literally the first chapter she masturbates so like i don't know this says a lot about me and what i read that i try not to read a sexual book and i still end up reading a sexual book <laughs> you just gravitate towards the filth yeah that's just yeah that's just what i want i guess that's what i always end up reading that's okay this boy's name is sebastian or sevas he is a yehuli which is this world's equivalent of jewish people uh, he's been taken from his house to be the primary dancer for this specific group. And now he lives with his own abusive handler, who is like the guy who takes care of him and his career and whatever. And they both live in an abusive situation and they're clearly soulmates. And I just, I don't know, it's beautiful. Uh, sorry. I'm gushing about this book. No, I love it. Marlinkin and Sevas are clearly soulmates. Uh, Marlinkin is the is, she's kind of a naive girl. She gives excuses for the abusive that the, the abuse that she suffers from her father. Whereas Sevas, he just accepts it. When Marlinkin asks him what he wants to do later in life, like what he, how he envisions his future, he basically tells her that he'll just keep performing this exact same play until eventually he's going to be too old and the troop's going to replace him because he's not going to be as pretty anymore and they're not going to want him anymore. And after that, he just thinks he'll just vanish and die. Aww. And similarly, like, Marlin Kian, she sees herself as helping her father forever. She sees her sisters, like, both of her sisters she can see as, like, becoming witches, like, more powerful witches and, like, marrying someone or, like, having a future outside of that household. But for herself, she cannot picture a future where she would be anything other than her father's helper. Oh, the trauma. Yes. It makes me so sad. I know, it's oh. so sad. But then Marlinkin and Sevas, they realize that they understand each other so well and they start trying to get out of that cycle of abuse that's surrounding them. And the yes. whole book is basically about breaking out of that cycle. 
It's about the light at the end of the tunnel, even if the tunnel itself is extremely dark and gruesome. Ava Reed's prose is so beautiful. Since the story is, first, is still in first person, Marlin her struggles feel so raw. It's like pure unhinged thoughts, like sometimes relatable, sometimes like super unsettling. There's this, um, there's this scene where after they had sex, she says, Already I feel so horribly empty without him inside me. I wish I could catch him there, keep him there, swallow him whole. And she has all of these intrusive thoughts that just like break into the, the narrative and into like her moments, like things that you're like, is there something wrong? Like, is there something more going on? Or is does she just have like these intrusive thoughts inside that just pop up from time to time and yeah she's just i just really like this book yeah. sounds really good i've heard a lot of good things about ava reed in general and when this book popped up um i was like this sounds really really good ended up buying it and i just haven't read it yet but i'm definitely gonna get around to it yeah it was one of the books that we had as an option for the poll for the book club it was and i figured because of all the trigger warnings like i assumed we wouldn't pick it and yeah fair enough, I, we, I knew it yeah, wouldn't win we knew it wouldn't win because of all the trigger <laughs> warnings like i understand it's not for everyone and i'm kind of glad we didn't read it with the book the book club because like exactly for that reason like i told you like there's there's eating disorder stuff in that book which i wasn't expecting at all and it's kind of heavy sometimes and i'm glad it's like it's definitely something that you have to be ready for when you read it yeah, absolutely but i really liked it it's a dark fairy tale i love dark fairy tales like this nice i like it nice 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 sounds great yeah i've been wanting to read her other book um i think it's the the wolf in the woodsman or the woods something yeah yes. yeah yeah the wolf in the woodsman the wolf in the woodsman yeah i've been wanting to read that one for a while mostly because it's one of those books where like the cover caught my eye and it's been a brainworm ever yes. since <laughs> i actually bought it last weekend i'm very excited to read it yeah all right so this, who wants to play a game Let's play a game. Play a game. Yes. Let's, let's come back from the dark place. Yes. Let's come from the dark place and play a game. We're going to play Book Talk Smash or Pass. Excellent. How, how, <laughs> do, how do we play? So basically, I'm going to read you a, a book title, and you're going to tell me if you would smash or pass. Based on the title alone? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm going to say books that everyone here should know because they're okay. pretty popular if you don't know one then you could just like pass in general does everyone and everybody knows what smash or pass is right no is smash good or bad smash is good pass is bad all right so here we go it ends with us by colleen hoover pass. Uh, strong pass <laughs> uh the song of achilles by madeline miller ash rage pass <laughs> uh i would try it so smash i guess okay but like look have you wait i have a question <laughs> In the game of Hades, have you all gotten to the point where you've met Patroclus? Yes. yes. Okay, but you see how he's not this, like, twink who can't fight? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. like, Patroclus is done dirty in the Song of Achilles that he's some, like, <laughs> like sopping wet sad boy, and he's not, and I'm so angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. All right. <laughs> you have classics bias. I do. I love it. I really, really do. And, like, I've read it. I've read it, and... I appreciate that it's not trying to call Patroclus his cousin or his very good friend. A very good his roommate. And they were roommates. And they were roommates. Yeah, no, there's there's like some <laughs> translations like his yeah. very dear friend. It was like, no, they were fucking yeah. like, <laughs> That's that's the one thing I really like about that book is like she does like so beautifully like write love like being love between two men. Like it's it's very adorable. I get why you would be upset about the characterization. He's, he, like, fights in his own right, you know? And, and there's some other stuff, too, in terms of, like, other parts of the myth that she, like, over-embellishes or, like, 
adapts to fit her narr like the narrative she wants yeah it's not it's not good it's like kind of it's kind of misogynistic and it's not good but like mostly i'm ex upset because patroclus is done dirty yeah. learned a lesson today i love a sad wet a sad wet boy but only when they're supposed to be sad and wet i think i still think you'd like this sad wet boy he's pretty sad and wet <laughs> i probably <laughs> would <He's> pretty sad <laughs> wet <laughs> At some points they go swimming and he's literally wet and sad. He's literally Ooh. wet. <laughs> nice. Love to see it. Okay. Um, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. Smash, smash, smash. Pass. I mean, depends if we're talking about the series or the book, but the series, smash. Okay, yeah. The series as a whole. Smash. Meh? <laughs> Live in the middle road. We have one of each. Uh, red, white, and royal blue. Pass. Uh, I haven't read it. I haven't read it either, but I just... I haven't read it, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> Doesn't it have one of those, like, vector colors? Yes, it does. I hate it a lot. So no. If it, if it has a vector cover, I probably will not want to read it. Mostly, like, a vector cover, to me, I immediately think it's just, that book is poisonous. Like, I don't... Oh, yeah. oh are those the, like, I don't want to touch stupid, it. like... Like cartoony, yep. Yeah. I don't know who makes these covers, but hire some artists, please. Right? Please. I'll get you the number to the person who did a Deal with the Demon series by Katie <gasps> Robert. Yes. Right? Right. Come on. Best book covers to ever exist. Literally. Work it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. Uh from Blood Nash. Oh, I want to read it. I'll smash. I'll smash. Yeah, smash. I haven't read it, but I want to. Therefore the smut. And I don't really care about vampires lore, so like whatever. Yeah, I will like smash, but like all lowercase letters smash. <laughs> Not excited, oh smash. <laughs> smoosh. I'll smoosh it. Yeah, I'll, I'll smoosh it. it. <laughs> I've read books one, two, and three, but it just seems, and especially now that she's doing like a spinoff series in the same world with different characters, it just seems like very much for the same reason that I don't like A Court of Thorns and Roses. It's like, when is this going to end? Like, where really is this story going? Like, yeah, and I think yeah. I did I did the first three and I haven't done any of the like prequel. Nope. Stuff. And the new one, the War of Two Queens that came out. And I like saw people yeah. like all up in arms eight different ways from Sunday with that. And I was like, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> Not that deep, fam. Loved the first two books. I mean, I know there's a lot of issues with them and they could be addressed, but like, um, but like B said, the smut is great in those books. And I also don't give a flying fuck about the vampire lore. I'll, I love to see it like twisted up like this. <laughs> <laughs> just fuck me up. Like, do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not, I don't really care about vampires. So like when I saw that, I'm like, that's weird. That's interesting. Whatever. Because <laughs> like, I, I love vampire stuff. But, like, I, I'm not, like, a, I don't care about them being, like, authentic or, like, true to the lore. Like, mm -hmm. do it up. Yeah. Okay. I've got two more. Um, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Pass. Pass. Pass, pass, pass. I know pass, why pass. you're passing it. Because you're a hater. <laughs> I am a capital H hater. TM, TM, TM. For anyone that doesn't know, The Love Hypothesis is a Raylo fan fiction. And Caitlin is an adamant Raylo hater because she's a Kylo Ren hater. I will die on this hill. Raylo has a million haters. I am one. If they have one hater, I have the I am one. If it has no haters, I am dead. Well, I read it and I liked it. Good for you. But I'm also a Raylo <laughs> apologist. You put it on this list just so you could have this moment. It's fine. 
It's like one of the few books that I've read from that cursed app that actually wasn't that bad. Um, and our last one is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Yeah. The smash. Smash in capital letters. Yes, capital letters. Smash, 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 smash. <laughs> and I will fight anyone on Book Talk who says that it's not good. We talked a lot of shit about Book Talk, but it's justified. Agreed. And I'm about to tell you why when I talk about my book. Oh, I'm yes. so ready. I'm so ready. Which for you guys is right now. But for our poor listeners, they will have to wait until part two of this month's episode. That's where we will talk about the books that Kristen and I read this month. That episode will be released January 17th, so make sure to follow us on social media for updates about new episodes. You can find us at Red in the Dark Pod on Instagram and Tumblr. Our email is redinthedarkpod at gmail.com if you want to ask a question about any of the books we discussed in this episode. We also have a book club. You can find us at Warm Page Library on Instagram and Tumblr, which will have details on how to join our Discord. Finally, we are hosting some challenges on Storygraph this year through the book club, which you can find by searching Warren Page Library's Book of the Month and Warren Page Library's 23 for 2023 in the challenges section of the app. The two main books we discussed this episode were The Darkest Part of the Forest by Holly Black and Juniper and Thorn by Ava Reed. We also mentioned The Modern Fairy Tales, The Folk of the Air series, and The Coldest Girl in Cold Town by Holly Black, The Wolf and the Woodsman by Ava Reed, it Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover, The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, From Blood and Ash by Jennifer L. Armentrout, and The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Keep reading and we'll see y'all next time. Bye! 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 Bye.